Stone and Tile Show is proud to be sponsored by the National Tile Contractors Association. The NTCA is a leading trade association in the tile and stone industry dedicated to professional installation of ceramic tile and natural stone. With more than 1,500 members representing thousands of installers, NTCA works hard to be a strong voice for proper installation and qualified labor. The association invests in a professional staff to provide technical support and assistance and offers free educational seminars and regional training opportunities around the country. To learn more about what the NTCA can offer for you or your business, go to the website www.tile-assn.com. That's www.tile-assn.com. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Houston, and I know, folks, it's been a couple of weeks since my last podcast, but I've been super, super busy, uh, not only doing inspections, but uh, actually answering questions, and that's kind of what I want to do today is go over some of these questions, because some of them are quite unique. Uh, Some of them have been uh, issues that I haven't dealt with in a long time or haven't heard of before. And that's what I love about this industry, the the stone and tile business, is that every once in a while something comes up that you scratch your head, but uh, we've got some answers. Now, with that said, a couple of things I want to talk about first, and that is my upcoming seminar. As you all are aware, you've heard many, many times over again, I do the stone and tile troubleshooting and inspection seminar in Vegas every year in January. And again, I'm going to be doing another one this coming January. Uh, it's going to be the same week as Stone Expo or whatever they call that show out there now. Uh, however, if you attend the seminar, you will have time uh, to go to the show. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this again is that two reasons, first of all, is it's going to be very limited to the number of people. I'm going to take a maximum of 10 people. And the reason for that is the size of the classroom. But more important reason, we've added uh, this year, we added a quarry tour. Uh, We've added, believe it or not, there's a quarry just outside of Vegas called uh, Las Vegas Rocks. And it's a meta quartzite quarry. And if you're interested in that quarry and want to know more information about that quarry, if you look at this month's Slippery Rock Gazette, if you go to slipperyrock.org, I believe is the website, or just simply go to Google and type in Slippery Rock Gazette, you'll see the article I did on that particular tour, uh, which was great. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, uh, if you guys have never been to a quarry, and even if you have, you've got to see this quarry. It's just unbelievable. And to think it's only 30 minutes uh, outside Las Vegas uh, was incredible. But uh, we're doing that tour again. Uh, this coming year. So if you want to sign up, uh, go to the website, stoneforensics.com, click on the training tab and take a look at what we'll be covering in that particular uh, course. It's a four-day course with a quarry tour. It's going to be a five-day five course. So uh, and you can also send me an email if you want as well. It's fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. Uh, now there's some rumbling going on in the background here. I'm not sure you can hear it or not, but we're having a nice little afternoon thunderstorm here that we usually get in Florida. So if you hear a boom, uh, that's what's happening uh, behind me. All right. With some of these questions that are coming up, I have been on a rampage lately in writing articles. And if you go to my website, which is Stone Forensics, you click on the About tab, and you'll see another tab under the About tab that says Articles. 
I now have, I believe it's something like 130 articles on there. And I've been writing these articles based on your questions, uh, not only from consumers, but also from professionals. And I'm not going to list all 133. Obviously, you can go there. But let me just name a few because some of them are quite unique. Uh, And we're going to discuss some of these as well. The first one I have up here is, is the stone dolomite or marble? I get this question a lot from your restoration guys out there to, you know, when you polish certain types of marble, polishing very well, you may be dealing with a dolomitic marble. I'm going to talk about how to tell the difference of that in a second. Uh, The other thing that came up the other day, and this comes up when I do my seminars constantly, is I call it the case for fewer diamonds on your floor machine, quality over quantity. And you're going to get all kinds of arguments. I actually put a post on Facebook and asked, you know, how many diamonds do you use on your machine? And I've gotten response from three up to six, and everybody's got their own preference. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm going to give you my reason for using only three diamonds as opposed to uh, uh, four, five, or or six. Um, Been doing also a lot of historic uh, consultations on uh, uh, different types of stones across the country. So I've got an article uh, called Unveiling the Mystique Were Historic Floors Polished or Dull? And that comes up quite often. Obviously, I have articles on here on the iron oxidation issue. We've talked about that on that show. This next one is kind of a new one. And this is new because I got a call from someone that had an issue with this. And that is I've developed a comprehensive guide to crime scene cleanup for marble and stone surfaces. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to get into cleaning other surfaces. But, you know, what happens if there's a crime scene, a a murder, uh, there's blood on the marble and granite? How do you clean that up? Uh, Another one is are my ceramic tile? Why are my ceramic tiles bleeding? Uh, actually, I had two calls on the same day, which was kind of unusual as to, you know, why are these tiles bleeding? And it goes on and on and on for 133 articles, uh, some really unique uh, uh, articles I put together for, for unique, unique questions. But before I get to some of those questions, let me first shout out uh, the phone number here in case anyone is listening live. It is 323 that's 323-870-3968. Now, yesterday I'm driving back from Miami and I got a call from a, a lady that uh, wanted to know when my next show was. This is it. And she had an interesting question. So I'm going to read that question and I'm going to go ahead and answer that. Um, she said she found a link up on, on my company and I was discussing marble pavers on a, on a pool deck. And she says, I'm in the process of installing a marble pool deck. I listened to your discussion of sealants and inferred from the discussion that I shouldn't seal it. Is that correct? I'm going to answer that in a second. We'll go on with her question. I'm also going to do a quick vinegar test to see if my product is marble or dolomite. We talked about that a second ago. We'll talk a little bit more about that and how to do that. And this is interesting. I'm leaning towards mixing some borax in the joint sand that will be applied at the completion of the job. I see that as a good weed inhibitor. Any downside to doing that, such as harm to the stone? So there's there's three basic questions here. Let me take one question at a time, and I think the third question or third answer you'll find uh, uh, quite interesting. When it comes to sealers on exterior surfaces, as most of you know that listen to this podcast on a regular basis, I am not a fan. 
And rather than get into the, the half hour discussion of why I'm not a fan, let me kind of give you the, the quick tour here of why I'm not a fan of and sealer. And when I'm talking sealers, I'm talking about impregnating sealers, penetrating sealers. And that is in an exterior environment, first of all, you're never going to get the stone completely dry. There's such thing called humidity. But let's assume that you could get it completely dry, which I doubt you can, but let's say you do, and you apply the impregnator. These impregnators are all breathable. Uh, so what that means is that they will breathe vapor, but they won't breathe moisture. Or they won't. They, in other words, they repel water in a liquid state, but not in a vapor state. So what happens, especially in an exterior situation, when it rains and water gets under the installation, which it will, okay, what happens to that water when it tries to escape? It becomes trapped. So unless you have large grout joints where the water can escape, I have seen issues where this is a problem. Now, I don't need any bad emails saying, hey, Fred, you're wrong. There are exceptions to this rule. And a lot of those exceptions have to do with how the pool deck is installed. Is it installed on a sand bed or is it installed in a, a setting a setting material like a thin set or a mud? The type of material, you know, what kind of marble it is or whatever. I recently had an inspection uh, oh, about three or four months ago where someone was using some white Carrara around the pool deck. Obviously, it was honed, not polished. And they had some trees that had these red berries that were falling on the marble and that was an issue with staining. So in that case, I did recommend an impregnating sealer. Uh, and if you do, uh, please, please do it properly. Make sure the stone is as dry as you can possibly get it. Uh, if it's a wet environment or a wet season like we have here in Florida, do not do it until you get a, a couple of really good uh, dry days. Now, next part of her question is, how do you test to see whether you're dealing with a dolomitic material or a calcium-based marble. Now, this is probably more important to you guys out there that are doing restoration work or doing, you know, refinishing. Because you'll find a lot of times if you're dealing with a dolomitic marble and you're using your standard acidic powders like your 5X or any of the other powders, that you're not quite getting the polish. And it could be that you're dealing with a dolomite-type marble. So what's the difference between a what we call a calcium-based marble and a dolomite marble, and it's minerals. Uh, your dolomite is basically magnesium carbonate, where your standard marble is calcium carbonate. Well, what that means is two things. First of all, usually your calcium-based marbles are a little bit softer. So if you have yourself a set of Mohs pencils, uh, for those of you who don't, don't know what those are, if you go to Amazon and type in Mohs hardness pencils, you can actually buy a set of pencils that has the different tips on them with different Mohs hardness. You can actually lightly scratch that across the stone to determine what the Mohs hardness is. And without getting into that lesson, the Mohs scale goes from one being the softest material being talc, which is your soapstone, right up to the hardest material being diamond, which is a, which is a 10. So your calcium marbles tend to be a little bit softer. It's usually somewhere between a three and a four on the Mohs scale, where your dolomitic marbles are somewhere between a four and a five. They're a little bit harder. And really the only way to tell is to do a scratch test uh, for that particular test. The second test you're going to do is an acid dropping test. This is where you want to take a weak acid. You can use something like vinegar because vinegar is acetic acid. It's a very weak acid. And you can drop it. Now, if it's calcium-based, it's going to fizz and bubble violently. And I guess that's the word I want to use. You'll see the difference between that when putting it on a magnesium 
base material, which is dolomitic marble, it will fizz, but it'll take some time to fizz and it'll fizz slower. So you really got to get a good handle on, on, on how that works. Now, there are some visual clues, but as you know, when we're dealing with stone, there are exceptions to every rule. So I find those two tests, unless you know the material, you know, one of the things that, um, I do constantly or actually get questions constantly is identification. You know, what marble is this? Well, I've been doing this for a real long time, 40 some years, and I don't know every single name of marble or granite out there. So I go to the web and there's some really good sites out there that have a really a good cross section of the materials out there. One of them is marble.com. I believe another one is stonecontact.com. But you can find examples, you know, again, keeping in mind that, you know, names can change and you'll have different names, but at least you may get a good idea of what you're of what you're dealing with. Now, the last part of her question I thought was interesting, and I did a little research on this, and that is she wants to use borax, mix borax in the sand uh, between her pavers, because with with pavers on a pool deck, we usually use sand They're usually not grouted because borax can be a good weed inhibitor, and in fact, it is. But my concern was not that it did or did not inhibit weeds, is is that going to be a danger to the stone? And all the research I've done looking at the chemistry of what borax is, the answer to that is probably no. As a matter of fact, you can make a heavy-duty cleaner using borax to clean marble. So uh, to answer her questions, I would say yes, that is probably probably safe. And actually, I think I would prefer that over using something like, uh, you know, um, uh, what's that that weed killer use that you buy at uh, Roundup, <clears throat> something like Roundup, which is which is really dangerous to use. So uh, I'm all for that. You know, one of the other things I'll add to this, this wasn't one of her questions, but you know, what about insects? What about ants? In Florida, here we have a lot of problems with uh, fire fire ants. And I found one very safe, effective uh, pesticide, if you will, or insecticide uh, that works really well and is completely harmless to you as a human and your animals, and that is diatomaceous earth. Yep, diatomaceous earth. You know, you guys are all familiar with that uh, and using in, in poultices, but diatomaceous earth works really, really well as an insect repellent for almost any insects that are out there. Uh, including cockroaches, uh, things of that nature. I usually take a little bit and sprinkle them on my windowsills, around my door frames. And uh, what happens, because the diatom has very, very sharp angles microscopically, if you pick it up and feel it, obviously it doesn't. But if you actually put it under a microscope, what it'll basically do is it tear up the exoskeleton on the insect. Because, you know, most of your insects, like your ants, your cockroaches, things of that have a very hard, what we call exoskeleton and that cuts it up and they become dehydrated and they die. So that works really, really well. As a matter of fact, uh, if any of you guys raise horses or have horses, uh, you can actually mix diatomaceous earth in their feed to help prevent worms. And it also works on dogs. I'm not sure about cats, uh, but I, I know on dogs, et cetera. But if you do that, you want to make sure you use a food grade diatomaceous earth if you're going to feed it to your, uh, to your animals. So, that's that question, question number one. Now, before I get to the next question, um, I want to mention that I am working on a new vision version of the Bible. Uh, those of you familiar with the Bible that I wrote back in the 90s, stone uh, refinishing and uh, troubleshooting Bible, I have got a brand new version that I'm working on. Uh, actually, I'm done working on it. It's pretty much all written. Now we're waiting for now is to format it. So 
If any of you are interested in that, drop me an email. It's fhuston at gmail.com. That's F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. Now, here's the thing. I am not going to be charging for it. It's going to be free. (coughs) See, I choked myself up just thinking about that word. No, it's going to be free. And, you know, the reason I want to offer it is it has a lot of good information. I give a lot of that information here on the show as well as some of my articles. And unless you want the hard copy, the free version is going to be an electronic version. It will be a PDF format format version. All you have to do is request it, and I will send you a copy once it's ready to be published. If you want a hard copy, that's a whole other thing because we've got printing costs involved. And I haven't quite figured out a price for that because it's going to be a pretty lengthy book. Uh, To give you an example, the geology and stone identification section in the old manual, I believe, was like 10, 12 pages. The new manual, the pages are over 50 pages. So a lot of information, a lot of of new things that have not been uh, discussed before. So I want it to be the encyclopedia for the the industry. But again, drop me an email, F-U-S-T-O-N, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. Okay, let's go to my second question, and that is the case for fewer diamonds on your floor machine. And I described this in the article on my website in kind of a technical fashion, but let me kind of give you the the uh, the layman's terms, if you will. <clears throat> and the best way, why would I only use three diamonds on a bottom of a floor machine as opposed to six? And it all has to do with pounds per square inch. And the best way to illustrate this is to take a chair. And that chair has four legs. Let's assume each one of those legs is exactly one square inch. So now you have a chair. You have four legs, which are one square inch. And now you place 200 pounds on that chair. So now quick math is you have 200 pounds divided by four, because you have four legs, four square inches. You're exerting a pressure of what? you're exerting a pressure of 50 pounds per square inch. Four inches divided into 200 is 50 pounds per square inch. Now, if I was to somehow be able to balance that chair with the same weight, same 200 pounds on two legs as opposed to four, what do you think happens to the pounds per square inch? It doubles and increases. So now on two legs, we're dealing with 100 pounds per square inch as opposed to 400, or 200 pounds per square inch or 50 pounds per square inch, I'm sorry. So think about your floor machine. Whatever your floor machine weighs, okay, you have six diamonds under there. Whatever the actual you know, square inch on each one of those diamonds is, you divide that number into the weight of your machine. That's how much pressure you're putting on that, that floor plate. Or on that, on that, yeah, exactly, on that floor plate on those diamonds. Now, if you take that three away, you now doubled your weight. So you can literally increase the weight, the pounds per square inch, I should say, of your floor machine by using less diamond than you will with more diamonds. Now, of course, you guys are going to argue, well, you know, they can chatter, it can get uneven. Yes, those are all concerned. But, you know, if you get into a situation where you have a really, really hard granite, or a really hard marble, and your diamonds just aren't cutting properly, the best thing to do is try less diamonds. Space them out as evenly as you can so you get a nice smooth ride, and you'll find it'll cut faster. Now, will you wear your diamonds out faster? Probably, but you know, 
what what cost you more, the actual time spent or the diamond cost? You're going to find that your labor is going to be a lot more expensive than the cost of your uh, cost of your diamond. So that, that's just my two cents. I mean, I know everybody has an opinion about that, but that's what I've I've discovered uh, over the years. Okay. <laughs> the third question, and before I do get to the third question, the number here, if you're listening live, 323-870-3968, and that is, were historic stone floors polished or dull? And it's not a yes or no question, simply because it depends on the time period. Uh, it wasn't unheard of for the Egyptians to polish their stone, and we did a whole show on on that. As a matter of fact, another book that I just published is The History of Stone Polishing, and it's about a 50-, 60-page book. I can't remember how many pages it is. And I go through the history of stone polishing. And if you want a copy of that, it is also free, uh, just an e-version, of course, not a hard copy. Uh, again, just send me an email, F-Houston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com, and I'll be more than happy to uh, to send you a, uh, an e-version of that as well. Um, so, it, again, it depends on the time period. Now, if we're looking at the United States and we're looking at that time period, for, say, from the uh, late 1800s to, say, maybe around the Depression era, 1930s, whatever, typically those floors were installed honed and not polished or not very highly polished. You might get a high hone on them. So, historically, if you're you're looking at these projects, you want to know how old the floor is. For example, I just looked at a floor up north that was installed in, I believe it was 1876. And it was red slate and white marble, and it was honed. Uh, it was originally honed, and it's going to be honed again. Uh, so you'll, you're liable to get historic architects and conservators saying, oh, you can't put a diamond on this. You can't, you know, aggressively or just hone the material, et cetera. And that's not true because it was originally honed. Uh, a lot of times it was honed in place after installation to kind of smooth it out because we just could not uh, get tiles that were all gauged properly, the same size back then as we can, as we can today. So, and again, I have an article on this very subject uh, on my, on my website on stoneforensics.com. All right, let's take a couple other quick questions and we'll, we'll call it, call it a day. Um, Crime scene cleanup. Um, I hate to say this, and it's sad that unfortunately this is becoming more and more of an issue, you know, with all these mass shootings we're, we're getting constantly. So, you know, you may have a situation where you have to clean up not only blood, uh, which is one thing, which is probably the biggest thing, but you might have to clean up marks from ricochets of bullets, uh, all kinds of things. So uh, rather than get into the gory details of, of how to do this, check out that comprehensive guide that I wrote. Uh, on my website. Um, another question I got not too long ago, which I thought was kind of interesting, is why are my ceramic tiles bleeding? I had an individual that had black ceramic tile inserts in his shower wall, and they were bleeding black. And there's several reasons for this. Um, the first reason being just poor quality. Uh, a lot of times, if it's if the glaze is not fired properly, uh, it can bleed over time. Old tile sometimes, if the if the glaze starts wearing off, you know, just through normal use, uh, you can get these that'll bleed. So if you've got ceramic tiles that are bleeding, that chances are it's time for replacement. It's it's really difficult to uh, to refix those. Obviously, you can't glaze them. 
uh, you know, in, in, in sight like you can everything else. Okay, let's see what other questions uh, we have. Um, for you restoration guys out there, I've gotten lots of these calls over the years, and that is, why does my floor machine keep tripping breakers? And there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, number one rule, you never, ever, 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 ever want to use an extension cord with your floor machine. Now, have I? Yes. But if you do, you need to make sure that the gauge of the wire is as big, if not bigger, than the gauge on the floor machine. So your standard, you know, heavy-duty extension cord you buy at the Home Depot or Lowe's is probably not as heavy as your cord on your on your floor machine. That's one reason you could uh, keep blowing breakers. The second is your machine is just, it, it, it's blowing breakers because it's too much of a load on there. So that could be your machine. It could be the machine grabbing. Uh, what I would suggest you do is if you're in a home, go to the uh, the uh, washing machine. Usually, that's a 20-amp breaker. You know, your standard house breakers are about 15-amp, and your, your breakers on your washing machine are usually 20-amp. Uh, now, if you want to go higher than that, you can actually use the dryer vent, but the dryer is usually 220, right? So what do you do? You split that out. And you can actually go to Granger. I think Harbor Freight has them. I know MB Stone has them. Uh, a couple of the companies out there have them where you can actually plug in to the dryer vent and split it off into two 110 circuits. Uh, I know some electricians don't recommend that. I've done that, and it works quite effectively. So, I mean, that's something you might want to uh, uh, might want to consider if you're having a constant issue with blowing breakers all the, all the time. Uh, I actually did an article on how much... Uh, it costs to uh, polish a marble floor, and you can take a read at that. I'm not going to get into that because that can get really tricky depending on, on where you are. Um, I did an article on liquid versus uh, membrane-type damp proofing for you installers out there. Um, this I thought was really interesting. And actually, let me open this one up because I think this is kind of an interesting, and that is uh, I've often tell my students this. I'm saying, you know, if you're sitting around in a bar, you know, after a seminar or something, and you want to earn a free drink, Ask people this question. What do you think, what industry, let me rephrase that question. What industry do you think uses the most marble? And, of course, the answers you'll get will be flooring, cladding on an outside of building, and that's not true. The number one industry for using marble is going to be the pharmaceutical industry. It's used in everything from pills uh, if you look at Rolaids, Tums, all those antacids, look at the ingredients. And if it says calcium carbonate on it, it's actually used, uh, marble is actually used. Now, some other areas, uh, musical instruments uh, can usually be carved out of marble. Um, this one's kind of interesting. The roller, uh, roller coasters, tracks at one point was also made with marble, with marble tracks, coffins, bowling balls, medical implants, heat sinks. So the list goes on and on and on as to uh, where you can use it. Um, the field markings, you know, your soccer field, your kid's soccer field, all those white marks that they mark on a baseball field, a football field or whatever, are all uh, powdered marble. They used to use lime back in the day and they discovered when a ball hit the line, it would go into someone's eye and it would burn their eyes. So uh, right now, um, hold on, I'm getting another question in here. Let me just read what this says. Okay. 
Uh, it was a question already answered. Sorry about that, folks. Um, but so now they're using marble dust rather than uh, uh, lime. Uh, so you, all your field markings across the U.S., you know, your football fields, soccer fields, whatever, are using lime. Uh, if you guys are uh, in the south or uh, southeast where they're using a lot of stucco, that's usually a lot of marble dust that's in that stucco. So marble is used all over the place, and it, it, it's it's incredible. Um, but anyway, you can take a look take a look at that as well. Uh, all right, I guess I could go on and on in here with all these questions, but again, you know, there 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 are lots of uh, answers and lots of articles I've posted. As I said, like 130 different articles and counting. They I keep going and going and going. Um, you know, selecting an air compressor for your fabrication guys out there. I did an article on that as to, uh, you know, what type of air compressor, how do you rate the air compressor or whatever. Uh, OSHA inspections. Uh, I talk about grit size versus micron size on diamond pads. Um, subway, an article on subway tile. Uh, how to determine how old limestone is. Um, why marble is used for making fudge. You ever wonder that? You ever wonder why when you go into these candy stores, they're actually using fudge? I mean, they're actually using marble to roll the fudge out. There's a good reason for that. If you check out that article, you'll see that as well. And, of course, I, I you know, any type of input that you guys have, you know, a question that you can't find on my website or can't find in the in, in the Bible, definitely send me an email. My email is F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail. Dot com. All right, folks, I think I'm going to wrap things up. I hope you found some of those uh, some of those answers and, and questions interesting. I did, uh, as always. And again, I'll say, you know, make sure that if you want to attend my seminar next year, I'm only doing these seminars once a year, and they're being done out in Vegas around the same time that the Stone Show is out there. You need to get in now because it fills up quite fast. Uh, it's quite a popular seminar. And, you know, and, and because it's called Stone Troubleshooting and Inspection Seminar, it doesn't mean you have to be an inspector. I would probably say 80% of the people who have come through my class are not inspectors or want to be inspectors. They're there to learn more about how to troubleshoot their issues for both stone and, and tile. And we talk about exterior, interior, et cetera. So go ahead and check that out on, on the stoneforensicsite.com. So, folks, until next time, we will uh, hopefully have shows a little bit more often uh, than we have in the past. So we'll check. talk to everyone later. Thank you, Tough Skin, one of our gold sponsors. Marble etches and stains. Tough Skin guarantees it will not. Tough Skin provides a unique product and installation service anywhere in the USA with a proprietary stone laminate product. They protect marble countertops with an acid, oil, and waterproof guarantee. That's right, it's now possible to install marble, onyx, and travertine countertops without the worry of etching and staining from common household items like wine, lemon, coffee, or other acidic foods. People have been trying to figure this out for thousands of years, and Tough Skin Surface Protection has done it. Available in gloss and satin to match the countertop finish. Visit them online at toughskinprotection.com. That's T-U-F-F SkinProtection.com to learn more. And folks, I'm coming back in because I forgot to give you my final words, which were thanks for listening. Until next time, keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone, and fabricating those tops. Later, my friends.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.